Hey gang, welcome to episode 71 of the No Persinium Podcast, your guide to immersive entertainment, brought to you by our friends at Drafty. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from Los Angeles, California, which apparently is the uh, the headquarters of fear. Um, we'll get more into that in a second, because today the guest on the show is our friend Brian Bishop of The Verge. He's a fantastic writer, and he's been spending all of Los Angeles immersing himself in L.A.'s immersive horror scene. We'll set up the rest of the interview in a second, but first, we got to pay some bills. And you know how we pay some bills? Well, our friends at Drafty help us pay some bills. What is Drafty? Oh, you don't know about Drafty. Okay, check this out. Do you do theatrical or event design work? Are you looking for a computer-aided design program that's built for the work you do, like lighting, projection, and sound? Then you should check out our friends at Drafty. Drafty is a computer-aided design program built from the ground up for the unique needs of theatrical designers, assistants, and technicians by an actual theatrical designer. Lighting, sound, and projection design are all supported, and it's priced to be affordable because the designer who makes it knows exactly the kind of challenges you face firsthand. Find out if Drafty can help you work your magic at drafty-app.com. There we go. Thanks again, Lucas, for uh, supporting yet another month of the newsletter and shows. Thanks to Drafty. Let's get into the news and notes. Going to be really quick this week, week straight from the horse's mouth, a.k.a. everything we published last weekend. L.A., I'm going to start there because it's pretty chill right now in terms of new stuff. Everything that you know about is really just kind of like wrapping up its run right now. We're just stitching up the last of the spooky season. Delusion got an extension, stitching up the end of that for one weekend. Uh, Devoted got an extension, stitching up that. Tension Experience, stitching up that. They made some They made some announcements in their metafiction. Uh, Tension's metafiction is getting even more elaborate, which I didn't think was actually possible. Um, you'll hear a little bit about that in today's show. Um, Trap House has extended just a little bit. So there's a lot of little extensions, but everything's kind of just closing up right now as we get ready for the holiday season. We're going to chill out a bit. We've got some Hamlet Mobile. We've got Barbershop. Um, and the Nimbus uh, installation, which is over at the L.A. Phil, uh, the Walt Disney Col- Concert Hall, you might want to check that out and see what it's about because uh, it's, a, it's a nifty art installation. And speaking of art, um, you should make your way to the Roger Aitken Electric Earth exhibit at the at Lock, uh, no, at the Geffen Contemporary. I like saw it went to like every museum last week. So go see the Aitken. It's amazing. All right, let's fly over to New York City. Um, keep your eyes out for Theater for One. This is free, uh, and and it's it is Theater for One. Like imagine if you will a road case of equipment, uh, and they've created like a small theater that you can like go inside. It's a mobile performance space for one performer and one audience member, and it's free. And reservations are available 24 hours in advance for each day of the performance. Sounds rad. I would totally go check it out if I was in New York. So please do that for me. Um, There's also uh, coming up right now is The Hunt, which is going to be November 17th through the 21st. Uh, It's 
it's an immersive theater production uh, that's kind of tapping into witch hunt hysteria. They've got a Kickstarter that was going on. I think it might. Is the Kickstarter wrapped yet? Let's take a look right here. Nope. Three days to go as I'm recording this. Uh, and they they uh, they are pretty they're in earshot of their goals. So you might want to check that out on Kickstarter. The Hunt, an immersive theatrical production. Uh, but it is due to come to New York City this month. September 17th, no, November 17th through the 21st. Whoa, time machine, do not make me go back to September. That would be disastrous. Um, As much as I loved October, as much as I wanted to continue, uh, I, I, no, no, no time traveling in 2016 is allowed. That is just guaranteed. Hey, let's fly across the country again, this time to San Francisco, because we're inefficient. Um, There is an explosion of stuff in SF right now, thanks to Albert. in some ways, uh, thanks to Albert, literally, uh, but in other cases, just that uh, he's listing a bunch of the stuff that's going on. There's a, a Dada festival that's happening, um, and it's all listed in there. Uh, David Byrne has Neuro Society down in Menlo Park, which is an installation. Um, there's stuff at Fort Mason. Um, there's just, there's, there's, there's so much. I'm looking at this. You should go into what, if you are in California, I want you to go into your last issue of no proscenium. And this is true. If you don't know how to do this for any of them, if you open the email up um, and you click on the view this email in your browser link, it's going to give you the option once you're watch- looking at it in a browser to go up and either share the issue. Hey, you can do that. Um, or hit past issues. And when you hit past issues, it's going to show you all the issues, the most recent like past couple of months you'll have access to around the country. So it all goes out of one account. So everything comes there. Uh, so whether you're in uh, Northern California or Southern California or you're in Las Vegas or, or you're somewhere and you can get to the Bay Area, uh, check, out, check out the SF issue. It's the biggest one yet, if my memory serves. And my memory usually serves. I just pretend to not know what I'm talking about because I find life more amusing that way. You also, like, get people off their guard. So this is all an act. Like, I'm highly competent. Um <laughs> All right. Um, that's the news and notes. Um, not as highly informative as y- you normally like, but um, it's, uh, it's a high information time right now, and I don't even know where to start, except I'm going to give a, a, not a rant, but a, a slight little field report. And I don't know how much of that this I can talk about. Um, so I'm going to be kind of slightly vague, and I talk about this a little bit in the episode, so I don't want to go too far. Don't want to repeat myself. But I had the honor of going to... Uh, being the embedded journalist at uh, Oculus and Kaleidoscope's uh, DevLab 2016. This is a, a VR incubator that they held in Los Angeles for two days this week. Um, they brought me in to like, you know, kind of write something out of it for them. I was more than willing to do it. Uh, I owe them that piece right now. I feel really bad. There's also election coverage at the day job, so like, bah, crazy week. Um, and it was right off the staycation that I had, so I, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit rusty at the moment. Uh, but this was just an absolutely amazing opportunity to get a sense of the way immersive is converging in the VR space. And I just, I have so much respect for everyone at Kaleidoscope, for uh, Renee and Jill and Selena. And for uh, Yelena of Oculus for bringing this all together. And I, I know I missed people. Um, and I don't think anyone listened to the show. So on a certain level, it almost doesn't matter. But if you were there at the Dev Lab and you're listening to this, hey, 
like Vinny, hi Vinny, uh, in case you're listening. Um, it was just incredible. The people they brought in to talk, you know, uh, we had we had uh, Vinny, who's a, a, a mentalist, uh, who's a, a fan of No Persinium. Uh, that was a kick. Uh, I introduced myself. He's like, oh, yeah. And then and he's friends with like Jen Gearhart. So it's this tiny little world. We had Zach Morris of Third Rail Projects. So I got to meet Zach, which I hadn't done before. Um, and I got to sit in on a workshop that he gave. And that that was just that was that was a bucket list item right there. Check mark. Um, we, we, there's a, there's an experienced designer who came in and just like just boiled things down, you know, so solidly. Architecture folks, event folks, and you know, then big people who make the VR as well. And what's beautiful about what's going on is approaching this as a discipline that's about creating immersive experiences. It's not just about exploiting what a headset can do. It's about designing narrative. And I even, you know, I want to say design narrative. Designing experience is right. But like to get like a little, a little more nuanced here, it's about creating a stage in which narrative can emerge. Creating a, a a reality, a virtual reality, if you will. Yeah, egg me now. Um, in order for people to draw and discover narrative within that space. So it was just wonderful. I think I'll be talking about this more in depth later. We definitely touch on this a little bit here. And again, I said, like I said, there's some things I can't mention that that, that went down. Um, you know, uh, supernatural things. No, uh, there's some business stuff that, that's, you know, off the books, but, um, this was, um, this was really good. Um, you, you start to worry at a certain point that you gone and drunk the Kool-Aid and that you're in a, a perceptual warp bubble, but just seeing the depth of work that's going on already and seeing where people want to take immersive as an idea, both in the technical sense, um, using technology and also using fully analog, you know, human beings and set design. Um, the crossover is real. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, we've been referring to the show for a while as your guide to immersive entertainment. It's, it's not just about, it's not just about the, the theater shows. It's not just about the escape rooms. It's going to increasingly be as well about the stuff that anyone can can find via the, the digital. Um, but that's just one delivery method for what is its own art form. And that's sort of the theme of today's show. So there's your segue. Brian Bishop, uh, for the month of October, writing this series called The Future of Fear. We get into sort of how he fell down the rabbit hole really quick. So I'm not going to set this up too much. But it's just been a joy to watch Brian get initiated into this world. He's really taken to the tension experience. So I kind of get all my some of my tension gossip from him. And tension is really taken to Brian. Um, so this has been uh, mutually beneficial for just about everybody. And we're so lucky. I keep knocking the mic. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, we're so animated today. We're so lucky to have we're so lucky to have someone like Brian who's writing for The Verge, which is a big publication. Um, putting the spotlight here 
on our community. Um, I mean, I know, look, we, we were spoiled in that we've got the New York Times, but there's there's many different communities out there. I make this point in the, in the show as well. Um, and the more people we can reach out to, the better. And that's starting. This is just the beginning. We may be 71 episodes into the show. We may be, you know, going into our fourth year of the newsletters soon. But like I've said before, we've only started. This is just, this is nothing. You ain't seen nothing yet. And on that note, let's check out this episode with Brian Bishop of The Verge. Brian Bishop, we are here in your office uh, where you work for... Who do you work for? Uh, I write, uh, write for a website called TheVerge.com. Never heard of... No. Uh, the Verge, <laughs> five years strong uh, this uh, this month. Yeah, November 1st, just had our fifth year anniversary. Yeah. I remember the buildup uh, to The Verge. Uh, for the two people who don't know The Verge, eh, explain The Verge. Uh, we are a website. Originally, we were focused on technology, and now we are about the uh, the intersection of technology, culture, entertainment, science... Um, basically, we're a website uh, about the future through the lens of technology, which includes everything from, you know, art to, to music to to phones. Fantastic. Yeah. We do cover phones a lot. Yeah. That's where the clicks are. In the phones, on the phones, for the phones, about the phones. Once the phones are sentient, they'll just click on their own upgrade patterns and will be completely useless. Yeah. Well, it's the self-clicking phone, I think, is really like the singularity mode everybody's waiting for. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm sure Apple's going to announce that one. Samsung will probably get it first, but it'll There's explode. There's a blowout. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> you can tell right off the bat uh, two things. One, as we were joking about right before uh, this started, uh, this might be one of the episodes where you want to take your podcast software and go ahead and use like the one half mode because um, I'm gonna. I naturally talk fast, but slow myself down. But Brian says that he talks fast, so. Uh, get ready to slow the piece down um, for uh, for your listening uh, possibilities. Sanity, um, really. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, how? So you know how informal this is, and there's like a million places I want to talk about. We're going to talk about the tension experience a lot because you you are you are in an inductee into that, and mm-hmm. you've been twice, and you brought back friends, and I really want to get into that, but. You spent the month of October doing a series of articles for The Verge uh, about sort of immersive horror in Los Angeles, and L.A. is the capital of immersive horror. Mm-hmm. You were kind enough to talk to me as part of that and put us in, and you know, some people might be listening to this for the first time because they saw that article, so hello. Um, how did you wind up falling down this rabbit hole? Um, honestly, it was partially due to this podcast, which is what's kind of funny. Um, I'd, uh, uh, I like haunted houses and I'd done escape rooms and I, um, I hadn't really, you know, gone down the, the rabbit hole of immersive theater at all. Heard about Sleep No More, New York Productions, that kind of stuff. Hadn't seen any. Uh, and then I saw an article, uh, interview in the LA Times with Darren Lynn Bowsman talking about tension experience. And right thereafter, I feel like, um, uh, you know, well, we, we met like randomly at a VR conference. Yeah, VR. Uh, yeah. And so I sent it for your newsletter um, and your podcast. And like that episode came on and I was like, oh, this thing sounds interesting because it's like a haunted house, but it's also like theater. And it's like all these different like, you know, flavors and textures mashed up into something that I hadn't tried myself before. Um, so originally I was just going to do one story on the, the tension experience. I pitched my editors and they were nice and let me do it. Um, and then I went to that show 
uh, and after that, and speaking with people, you know, behind that show, and just re- and kind of like digging a bit deeper and realizing how many you know local inspirations you know Darren Bowsman had for that show, but just you know across the world, it kind of I really was floored by how vibrant this scene was in LA, and that was something I really kind of learned from this show again. And um, then I just kind of like yeah, talked my, my my editors into letting me go and write a bunch of articles and checking out a bunch of shows yeah. uh, over a month, which is a ton of fun. Yeah. No, and, and there's no better time than October in, in L.A. to to get a, a wide sampling. Like, right. even even New York, um, I think, doesn't have... I mean, granted, it's it's all in various shades of crimson and black, but uh, New York doesn't have, like, as much variety uh, as Los Angeles does in October. And then, and then, like, it falls off and, like, it goes back to being, like, you know, kind of normal. The pace becomes in New York beats us again. But for one month a year, <laughs> we got him beat. Um... What have you found, right? I think this is, and in some ways, this this would normally be the question that you might end an interview with. Like, mm-hmm. what have you learned during your sojourn? But I think I'd love to start here, actually. Yeah, what was interesting for me in all this is that I came at this, like, we cover immersive projects. We cover things where we talk about, you know, you know, agency and presence and whatnot. But we talk about those because it's all VR, right? Right. That's what we've covered a lot of VR. Um, you know, I've covered a lot of, like, narrative VR in particular, um, you know, so that That's was actually like, when we we met because you were in one of the projects that Google was showing. Right, off. is it Pearl? It was Pearl. Yeah, yeah, which made me cry. Yeah, yeah. There was wetness on my face afterwards. It was yeah. true. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah. You walked out of that and you were like, you, I was crying. You were crying, and I was like, okay. And I jumped in. Um, Did you cry? I didn't. I didn't wind up crying, but I, I wound up. I really. It was so Pearl was so dense that it it did something that only a few pieces of of uh, immersive video and this was this was fully rendered cg but it really mm. was an immersive music video right it's what it was uh only like three or four pieces of that nature have made me want to go back in and catch what i i missed mm-hmm. because it did a, a really good job of building uh, all this space around you i mean it told a really tight story yeah. um so you were crying and then and that's and, and it was vr so, <laughs> right um, but what's interesting about the VR stuff is, you know, I looked at the, the Oculus, like original, you know, dev kit, like back at CES however many years ago. And all of that stuff, just for me personally, people say like, it's great for gaming. And like, you know, first person shooters, it's such an easy jump. <laughs> um, which, yeah, it is, but it also makes it kind of like incredibly boring. For me, what was always interesting is the narrative possibility. Like I'm a film guy first, right? Yeah. Um, so that's where I was always looking at VR for and trying to look at what that's going to be like as a narrative medium. And it's still early days. People don't know. Like every project is an experiment where they're developing like new grammar of what may or may not work. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was always interesting. I would find the projects that really, really stood out were projects where you would have maybe one moment of like emotional truth, right? You would connect with the character or you'd realize you have empathy for a character. Yeah. And that would be, because it's so early, those singular moments become incredibly profound. Um, and what I was shocked by um, this entire month was that in immersive theater, um, when it's good, like the entire show can be that, and yeah. which really just like refocused my, um, you know, perspective on how this medium is going to move forward. Uh, and uh, and yeah, it's um, it's funny. I was at um, um, VR on the lot this conference the other day with uh, the uh, um, Brent Bushnell from Two Bit Circus talking about how, show. Yep. Yep, how everybody who like is doing VR experiences doing it wrong because they're looking towards you know gaming and film as their inspiration. They should be looking at immersive theater. And I'm like, oh yes, you are correct, sir. Like <laughs> yeah. you know what what the deal is. Um, and so yeah, so that was my my big takeaway was that right now we're in this like weird nascent space where everybody's excited about immersive through this lens of VR and AR. 
And that's not really where the most interesting work is right now. Immersive is a very, very broad umbrella, and VR is a piece, AR is a piece, theme parks are a piece, escape parks are a piece, immersive theater is a piece, and it's all like one big spectrum. Um, and that's, can we curse on this podcast? We fucking can. Because that's really fucking exciting for me. Because like that's like the next five to ten years of narrative and like emotional yeah. experience. Yeah. This is what it's going to be. I feel like, oh, we're in it now. So I love hearing someone else preach, right? Like like the pulpit, <laughs> The pul- I'm up there in the pulpit and I'm preaching and it gets lonely. It gets lonely, brother. But it is so good to hear another, another journalist preaching that and you know like so if i drop dead tomorrow this all falls on to you to carry on you and juliet over at LAist <laughs> to carry on uh for me i'm not planning on dropping dead tomorrow this goes out this week next week maybe but that's another story we don't talk about that on this podcast um um you look back you'll laugh hopefully uh if only we knew if yeah yeah mm. yeah um the 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 Yes, right? Exactly what you just laid out. Immersive is the... It's so funny because immersive gets abused as a marketing term by everybody. Mm-hmm. But immersive is the the bubble which all these things indeed kind of exist within in, in my mind. Yeah. Um, particularly just how related VR... Uh, storytelling and immersive theater are Mm -hmm. and the whole thing about moments right and I think a lot of people I just had the privilege of going to um, a a developer lab uh, became the embedded journalist for it I was telling you that when when I walked in and I'm not even sure how much I can talk about um, but the the big takeaway one of the big takeaways was how much experience design and how much immersive theater type experience design really plays into giving people a frame for which to construct their own narratives through the construction of moments. Mm-hmm. Um, there was Sashka Unseld, who is uh, like the creative director at Oculus Story Studio, just straight up said, you know, film is about. Uh, you know, micro actions. It's about like all these little actions build up into the sweep of, of what you've got going on. That's how the narrative thread of a film goes. It's action, 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 action. Um, for VR, it's about the moment. And the same is true in, it's, it's the only thing you get in immersive. It's like, it's about the moment that you're in. And it's, it's so interesting because you can feel this if you go into VR and you know, they're trying to run you down a pathway mm-hmm. and all you really want to do is like stare at the grass. And a part of me wonders if we're still going to want to be staring at the grass five, six years from now when we're really used to it once things kind of become red, once assets are normal. It's kind of like in a shooter when it's like, well, everything's brown and so like I can't really appreciate how this looks because right. everything looks the same. Where's the thing I'm going to shoot, right? Like that that common tongue language, everything becomes basic. Right now, there's definitely a sense of awe. But when we're presented with a new world, uh, you know, the vistas in you know, The Force Awakens or the or you walk into a room and sleep no more and you're like what the hell's going on in this place or you're you're suddenly a blindfold's taken off of you in tension and you're like where am i um you want time to absorb it you know it, the room may not be built for you to go around and necessarily noodle in and you know dig up the floorboards in order to find the telltale heart but you you want time to sort of soak it all in because 
at least if you believe, it may not be, but you believe that there's meaning embedded there, that there was a choice. And by accident or by design, there, choices were made to create that space. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an intention there one way or another. And just the ability to rest in the moment, particularly because, you know, you might not have your cell phone on you or if you're in VR, you not necessarily have your notifications coming at you. I dread the day when it's like, because I can, I can see it now, two years from now, great news, everybody. Every Oculus game now will come with Facebook Messenger and you'll be able to connect with your friends. And I'll be like, I am burning my computer that it's day. dystopian fucking nightmare. Because yeah. I think this is something I think you've talked about on the show before, but I truly do buy, this sounds like rhetoric until you kind of experience it firsthand. Yeah. But they're like, you know, it sounds like, you know, hypebeast stuff, right? Where it's like, everybody's really into this stuff because they're so tired of the phones, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's like too overwhelmed by their digital lifestyle. Yeah. But the truth is... Um, we are. And the yeah. minute you get to step outside of that, and that can literally be like, you know, putting your phone down. That could be walking to an immersive theater piece. It could be like putting on your PSVR and playing a game and not having to worry about that stuff. Stepping away from your you know, like your everyday reality is extraordinarily liberating. Like people yeah. really, really do like it. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not just escapism. You know, right? People think, oh, that's just escapism. And it's like, you know, there's, there's a way in which it's meditative. It's like, oh, I get to, I, I'm communing, you know, it's with a book, right? You know, like you're communing with someone's thoughts. It's a conversation between you and the creator, mm-hmm. um, you and the team that made the thing. And, you know, no one's interrupting that conversation when you're in a VR rig or when you're in an immersive where they took away your phone. Right. I went to some early stuff uh, here in L.A. where because you know they wanted to build the brand, the, the folks let people have their phones out in the piece. And let me tell you, there's nothing more disruptive than you're trying to get like Victorian London and someone's getting a text from dad. Dad, where are you? What's going on? And you see it. It's like brightly burning on their phone. It's like, hey, I'm trying to like get right. the vibe here. And you're trying to like calm your parents down. Like, no, no good. No good. Um, let's talk tension. Yeah. Um, tension stealing you from me uh, in a little bit here. So the show, the show probably, but that's probably good because we probably talked for like ever. Uh, we have in the past. So, <laughs> yes, um, we have. Like, um, what? What is it? What, what tension was your first immersive? Yeah. So what what did you go in? What did you go in thinking it was going to be? Um, I did not. I'd heard the inter, I'd heard read interviews. I'd read write ups about it. You know, I'd heard your interview with um, with Darren Lynn Bowsman. And I'm like, there's only so much you can do, right? They kind of you know say like, oh, it's you know it's going to be scary. It's this mashup. It's this that. Um, I knew that I, you know, needed to worry about like wearing underwear. So I'm like, that's an interesting requirement. Like all that little stuff, they, intention they send you those, you know, those emails beforehand, like setting up all this stuff to get in your head early. Um, but also part of my head, I'm like, well, I'm press, right? So like, this isn't going to be like that dangerous. You know, it's not going to be that terrible. So it'll be fine. And I remember talking to the publicist uh, and I was like, so I have like my bag with like my computer, my recorder and stuff. And what should I bring this? And she's like, I don't know. You just have to go to this random parking lot. And I actually don't know what happens after that. And so I'm like, uh, so there's there's a veil of like protection. I felt like as a journalist going to an event where you always feel very taken care of. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so like fucking with me might be the jam. Like that might be the thing. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, what was interesting about my first time through was, um, you know, I, I walked in, you know, they, they do this whole thing where like they hood you, 
Uh, and I'm carrying this like, you know, messenger bag with me the entire time. And I'm like, this is kind of awkward. And like, I don't know if I can drop it off or not. So there's this weird like meta tension for me because I'm like, is this going to fuck with like my job? Is it going to, you know, I mean, I have like professional things I'm supposed to be doing here. Yeah. And so that was this added level. But finally got rid of that stuff that got sorted. And I walked into the first scene of the show, the first real scene. Um, and um, it's, you know, if I have, you know, my, my criticism with tension, and I think most of the shows I've seen is I think the, the big bump is for somebody that hasn't done a show like this before. What are the rules of the universe? What can you do? How far can you push? How much yeah. can you interact? Like, what does that work? You're talking about the shooter thing earlier. Like, yeah. you know if everything's gray and something pops that's red, you should shoot it or do something with it. Exactly. And when you haven't done a show like this before, you don't know what to do. So I went through the first half of the show actually pretty passive just because I didn't know any better. Yeah. And there's a lot of beautiful design in that show. There's a lot of things to watch happen. Mm -hmm. And there are things, you know... That, you know, when the first time through, you're like, this is funny. Somebody's yelling, you know, the C word at me. That's that's interesting. And then, yeah. like, there's all this kind of weird stuff that happens. Like, they push your buttons. There's a, you know, it's not, I don't think it's a spoiler at this point because the show's about to close. There's, like, a sensory deprivation sequence that's very haunted housey. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, where they make you smell stuff and put stuff in your eyes and, and dip your hands in wax and whatnot. And so the entire time, I'm like, this is interesting. This is fun. But I wasn't necessarily having an emotional experience at that point. Mm. Um, and what happened at the very end of the show, you know, you make certain choices. You say certain things. You end up on certain tracks. You have different conclusions at the end of the show. And I ended up on this track where, um, um, without giving too much away of the show, because if you do go see the show, I don't want to spoil too much. Um, uh, you have to basically tape a video confession to a loved one because you are under the impression that you're going to die. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, like, you know, I did theater when I was a kid. I was a theater kid growing up. So I'm like, I can, I can do this. And so I kind of like tried it and I, I was kind of half-assing it and um, just out of like sheer self-consciousness, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then the, there's an actor in the scene and, uh, and she said, you know, try harder. And so I'm like, well, okay. And I, yeah. I push myself and it was a really, really singular moment where I got emotional. I suddenly started pulling on like real moments of regret and things I felt bad about, you know, things you talk about with your friends or your family. And I, I went for it. Right. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like a thing where it was calculated. It just kind of like happened. Yeah. Um, and I left that show and like it, like for the next two or three nights I was up thinking about it. Cause I'm like, how did a piece of art get me to that place? Like I hadn't experienced anything like that before. Like a film hasn't done it. Book hasn't done it. Music hasn't done it. They've made me emotional. But they haven't taken me personally into that kind of like very very intimate emotional you know was there something beat. do you think there was did you find what it was that did it because like for me i wasn't on that track but it, like i can imagine for me i don't know if someone just telling me to try harder would be enough for me yeah right i think like, for Oh, sorry, go ahead. What, 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 so did you find what it was that got you to be able to get there? I think it was a culmination of things. I think that the first half of the show, I was like a little bit arm's length with it just because it was new and I didn't know what to do. And that was the moment where I kind of was able to fall into it, mm, you know? And yeah. I think there was maybe, um, you know, I, I'm a, a person, I, I want to have emotional experiences with, you know, the movies I love and the, the, the you know, the, the art that I consume. Um, and, um, once I got to a place where I felt, you know, the weight of the evening, just like the intensity of all the other experiences kind of like built up and it was like, oh, I can do this and it's a safe space. If I realized that it was a safe space and then it just kind of oh. like happened, yeah. um, which you would not anticipate a place where you're wearing like a jumpsuit and people yell at you and like bad things happen. That That's going to be a safe space. But within, you know, it felt like I was, you know, 
it felt like I was in a play again in a, in a good way, not as in terms of it was artifice. It felt right. like it was a place where I could um, have fun and explore. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like that, that, it's in the, something that Zach Morris of Third Rail said the other day that I got to hear was that, you know, the these shows are, are Rorschach tests, mm-hmm. right? Um, which instantly led to me thinking about, you know, the cave, Yoda and the cave. It's like, what will you find? What do you take with you? Um, <laughs> that was really good. I got I got a pretty mean Yoda, I gotta say. Um, it's the it's one of three voices I have left uh, since my voice changed in puberty. <laughs> um, somehow Yoda's one of them. Uh, Roger Rabbit's another. I will not do Roger Rabbit for you right now. Um, if you all ask politely or donate a thirty five dollar Patreon. No I'm kidding. Uh, there is no thirty five dollar Patreon level. Um, is that tension? No, 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 I was just making sure that the, the beep is the beep me or is the beep is the sound you or me. Yeah, yeah, um, but, the, but the cave, right? Like what, what you bring with you is what you're able to find. And, mm-hmm. and for me, I had my moment that's analogous is there's a moment in Then She Fell. There's a track where you, you wind up in a little room with one of the Alice's and you have a little conversation. And... Like, I just found myself answering truthfully. Mm-hmm. You know, she asked me a simple question. Um, and for me, what was interesting there was that the character was acting as a psychopomp. Like, they were sharing. And by their sharing, they were freeing me up to share. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of like by example. Um, and and that's that's one of the things interesting in, in this space. Like, you know, that there's there's a bit of the mirror game that can be used. That's a real theme. I mean, obviously, if it's Alice in Wonderland based through the looking glass, you're going to have mirrors. But but doing that on a on a action level, right? But almost everything in the design of these things is about creating the space for those moments to happen. Yeah. So I'm always trying to look for like, well, you know, well, I'm, one I'm always hoping that I stop looking, right? We both did one uh, on the same night different times. We did Delusion. Yeah. And I, I, I got so into delusion. Like that was my jam. I love vampires. I love gothic horror. I uh, haven't seen a lot of Hammer films, but like that aesthetic, you know, it's 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 just this side of camp. Not just this side. It's dead on campy, but at the same time, if if you don't if you don't treat it ironically and like dive into it and run with it. Oh my god! It's incredibly earnest. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It's and it's so much fun to like, like put yourself in that level, and you just you have permission. Like they give you superpowers. They they make you the the clear agents of everything. Like nothing happens mm-hmm. without you moving it forward. But very much like a video game, like it's just it's just like here's this lever, pull this level lever. Right. But they are waiting for you to pull the lever. Yeah. Which is really rad. Yeah. And that show did a really good job, I think, of like setting that up because you could go into that. It very clearly, I talked to John Braver for that for that series, like after I went to the show and he was talking about how, you know, he played like King's Quest and Space Quest all the time growing up. And I'm like, oh, of course, it's like it's a Sierra game, right? It's like, yeah. And it definitely it totally has that is. adventure game feel to it. And so, but they have that first room where there's, you know, that din- there's a dining room sequence where a character basically forces you to, you know, help her to move on to the next room. Yeah. And that's kind of like they did a really good job, I think, in that scene of like saying, okay, cool, here's what you can do. Here's how the interaction is going to work. Like, you're going to progress the story forward in this way. Yeah. And my whole, there's maybe, I think, two people in the group that I went with that night that had done a show like this. Everybody else was like, we're just going to watch something cool happen. And the woman was like, no, come on, help untie me. Like, yeah, help do the thing. Yeah. Like, 
And that was a press and industry night. That was a weird thing for me was like, I assumed a lot of the people who were there had done this before. Mm-hmm. And they, I guess they hadn't. Um, so I wound up being like the, the one sort of running along and solving some of the puzzles to the point where I was like, don't be angry with me, people. Um, but yeah, that's. I thought they did maybe the best job I've seen so far at the tutorial stage. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's so funny to me. I mean, because you also you wound up going to New York and you did sleep no more, mm-hmm. and like there you don't have a lot of agency other than where you can move your you're the camera and you move around and that's it. You know, it's you know there's very there's a few things that you, you can click on some things and get candy, right? If you find the room with the candy in it, the candy corn was good. I found it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and there's other there's if you get selected for a one on one which can last anywhere from like 10 seconds to like a few minutes, depending on, you know, which one-on-one you get pulled into. Um, But you're mostly just kind of floating around. And Mm. there the tutorial is just instructions. Just like keep the mask on and shut up. And there's like nothing else to be done. You have no, you don't have a voice. You literally don't have a voice in that show. Um, And that's easy enough to instruct people to do. Mm -hmm. But when you're actually creating interaction, because the full range of human action is, I mean, it's not infinite necessarily, but it's wide enough that you really do have to start showing how far people can go, not just because you gotta worry about trolls. And you'll have trolls who come in and like, oh, I'm gonna try and break these sets apart, you know? And, and people, I think I think someone was telling me that, you know, some folks like, even attention, like they walk into the room and just like start pulling everything apart. Hell, I, I unplugged an MP3 player by accident, <laughs> thinking it was a clue. I thought I had found like I don't know, have I mentioned this on the show before? I don't know. I thought I had found an earpiece because I saw like a little object that had lit up, and it looked looked to me. I thought I saw this is the beautiful thing about it, all this stuff. It's perceptual based, right? I thought I saw a jawbone earpiece that was charging in the corner of the red room. And I was like, great, I'm going to get that, stick it in my ear, and I'm going to get secret information from some agent from outside who's trying to, like, you know, end this cult. And I unplug it, and the music stops. And then I look at the naked girl who's in the room, who's, like, the performer, and I give a, sorry, and I plug it back in. And the music just picks up where it left off. Like, good, smart choice of MP3 player. But still kind of funny that you can wind up, you know, breaking the MP3 player. But but that's the thing. Like, you can wind up tearing it all apart if you don't tell people, you know, here's what you can do. Yeah. You can move about freely. You can do this. You can do that. You can speak when spoken to, yada, yada. But finding a way to, like, impart that information when you're through the play, the gameplay or through the action of the story itself. And that's hard. And I think Delusion did a most excellent job at that. It was very clear. It's like, you're going to need to help actors do things. Mm-hmm. And here's the two magical powers that you have. Right. And go on from there. And it's also hard because I think no, there's no like one way to interact with any of these shows. Like no. they're all different, right? What, yeah. what you do in tension is not what you do in delusion is not what we did. I mean, we saw the room, I mean yeah. the rope rather, Yeah. Um, you know, on the same night though, not the same time. That has a, you know, very, very gaming mechanic vibe to it. It's oh, very different than everything else. Yeah. Um, and so every show has to do this unto itself. Um, but it is about finding those individual um, moments. And what's interesting talking about, you know, tension the first time being so dry for me until that last moment that was kind of like an awakening going through the second time was uh, a vastly different show yeah so talk about that because like this is this is a phenomenon there's a lot of second timers who are going through um 
I think I heard someone was telling me that like some people were trying to go a third time and they were like cutting that off because they wanted, and and some people I guess were upset. I'm like, no, oh, makes sense to me. Like you, you want to build as broad of a base for this thing as possible. Mm-hmm. And if you if if it's just like super fans coming back over and over, particularly if you've got stuff that's planned for a second run, right. but you don't necessarily have like a third track, mm-hmm. it's like, eh, no, like right. Y- there's nothing else to show you right now. Like, wait till we've got something to show you. Um, what was what what was different the second time? Like, um, li- this is going to sound so silly, but uh, I'm going to be a little bit vague because also like the show is not closed yet. Exactly. So yeah. uh, I think the 13th or the 12th is the last day or something. So it's coming. Yeah, up, we got but, like two more weekends worth. Um, but everything there was maybe three scenes that oh, wow. were the same, and everything was different. What happened was I saw. The first time I saw the show, like I said, I was going as press. I'd done some very, very basic research beforehand, like that day, because it came together for, in our case, last minute, because um, we went in like after the show had already opened. Uh, so after like I saw the show, I'm like, this is fascinating. So I definitely went down the rabbit hole, like, you know, met people in the community, you know, and, and that's the one thing that's also great about LA is that everybody's going to the same shows and like yeah. likes all the same things. So like everybody I've met literally at every show has been to every other show. And it's like within like six weeks, I have like a bunch of awesome new creative friends, which is cool. <laughs> um, but so met that, did that and like dove into the backstory because you alluded to like, you know, there's this, there's this ARG aspect for tension that as your listeners know, like that ran since like February of this year. Yeah. And so there's a huge, like very convoluted, very elaborate layered backstory. And yeah. so, which you can either find like, they did a great job of laying out on their website, on the but also, so there's 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 the bulletin boards if you like want to get down into like the nitty gritty yeah and that's that's something that that not a lot of ARGs have um, you know because because they're not necessarily trying to like get people into into a show the way the way tension is so it's it's a beautiful thing that, that that's some, an archive that's visible to people yeah because you can you can find all of it and like that's what I ended up doing before my second show uh, and in the meantime I asked a couple friends like thinking that about who they wanted to come with and like they actually did which we can talk about later because it was very funny um but so i went in and at that point i went for the second time i'm like okay you know i know what i can do now right i knew what like the rules of this world in terms of interaction were so like i had a very i had like a meta you know um um you know um goal which is like i'm going to be more participatory i'm going to talk to so and so about this or that or yada and then I also, you know, had in-story goals. Like, there were things that had happened within the narrative then at that point that I was, like, aware of that I wanted to talk to certain characters about certain things. Because mm. um, around that time, before I went back for the second time, um, during the course of the ARG, characters had taken, I mean, players had taken sides via, like, for the Institute or, you know, for this, like, you know, anonymous-style, like, group that was, like, fighting against the Institute. And that caused division, among, like, in real life amongst people. Um, and so... At that, like before I came back for my second time, um, the the head of the institute kind of like brought the head of that splinter faction back over, and you know some people were like, "This is weird. This is bad. Like it's caused more strife." So like that was a part of the narrative at that point. Like the community had become embedded in the narrative of the show, mm-hmm. um, and so and I was up on all that at that point. So I came back, um, uh, and instead of like you know normally they take groups of like eight to ten, I think in the van it was me and one other guy by ourselves. I didn't know what to expect, and they take me in. Um, and literally from the very first scene, it was like it's a completely different show. And what uh-huh. this show was thematically, at the first show, the gist is, you know, you're going to a cult to be indoctrinated to see if you have what it takes to ascend and they'll test you. And then, you know, somebody gets, you know, something bad happens at the end, like pseudo sacrifice and whatever. This is you go in and you know the characters and the head of the, the joint, you know, the overseer character, she basically brings you in on it. 
um, and behind the scenes. So like the the gist of like the second time through is that, uh, you know, the show is basically being used as a kind of front for the cult and they bring you into it. So um, again, I don't want to sp- say too much because it was really? like, there's some like really, really great like are meta they, storytelling that goes on. But... This, are they doing this like on the regular for people so like people get like they go a second time that's what they're getting or is I this think like a select there there are there are certain like variations like like there was the first time like yeah. different tracks but the overall gist i think of the second trip seems to have been you know all this kind of same thing where it's like you know uh again there's like a there's certain things i put it this way there's things that you and i both saw when we covered the show right that people see as audience members when they go to the, for the second time oh that's right yeah. so basically you know, they become an ally of the main character, you know, that they may go in trying to say they become her ally instead, they become a confidant. Right. And it builds upon it. And there was this really great moment, um, maybe about 20 minutes in, when I'm sitting there and there's this guy named Simon, right? Who's like this fantastic actor who's like really commits and like freaks everybody out and is very, very loud um, and authoritarian. And I'm like having this conversation with this actor about what's been going on in the community and how people are mad about this and what's going on. And we're just really having like a sincere conversation about where he grew up and there was a moment where I didn't realize, oh, hey, I'm falling into a vibe like this is a character that I'm having, you know, a, a you know interaction with. There's a moment where I said, oh, wait a second. This person I'm having an interaction with is actually an actor playing a character. Yeah. And I'd fallen into that so quickly and seamlessly. Um, my aha moment was me actually coming out of it instead of going in. Right. Which was kind of fantastic. And yeah. the rest of the show, like, played out that way. Um, and as somebody that is relatively new to this, that was like an additional layer of interaction yeah. and freedom and ability and agency um, that I hadn't had in any of these shows before. Um, and again, I came out afterwards and I was just like, what the hell just happened? Like, and one a thing that they play with this show, obviously, is like what's real, what's not. You know, the game is a huge inspiration, obviously. Right. Um, and they really lean on that the second time through. And I like, you know, and I admit, like, I emailed, like, Darren Bowsman and Clint Sears because I talked to them before. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't know if you knew <laughs> things like because there were things that had happened before I went into with, like, people in the community that, like, it seemed they knew. Yeah. I couldn't tell. Yeah. Um, and it was just, like, so seamlessly orchestrated. Like, I did not know what they knew, what cues I maybe given them and, like, the actors, you know, just ran with or not. Like, I did not know where it stopped. Yeah. Well, the interesting What's interesting to me is that there's there's so much you can do in this space with with so little mm-hmm. to like there was a very effective moment in D- uh, Devoted which was Shine on Collective's piece uh, that's still running right now uh, and I talked just talked to them last night we're gonna air that episode after we air your episode uh, so like probably next week and they had what was interesting was like there was there's a moment in there where there's you you're given something. And it has one bit of personalization on it. And inside the piece, I didn't realize that there was personalization. But outside the piece, because I saw someone else's, I suddenly realized, oh, that was personalized to me. And they tell, they explain like how they managed to do it. So like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spoil that uh, for the episode. But, but it's, it's the tiny touches that create the verisimilitude. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the rest of it can pretty much be improv Right. right, and so I I would be very very curious to know, you know, how much is scripted, how much is improved, how much heavy research, because I think you can do a lot, you can mine a lot of things and have things to reference, but you stick that into an actor's hands and try and get them to do it, and unless every single actor is absorbing like the whole world, and get fully fully engrossed in it like it was the Truman Show. Mm-hmm. 
they're not going to be able to remember it. But if there's a note here and a note there, and if they're weaving parts of their own personality into what they're doing, suddenly that becomes where the liminal line is. It's like, you know, here's beat four, five, and six. Make sure those go into what you're talking to them about. But other than that, have a pleasant conversation about where you grew up. Yeah, and this, this particular character definitely seemed that um, it felt like it was he was pulling stuff from his. It was so detailed. He was talking about like how he grew up, and it was so extraordinarily detailed that it felt like he may be pulling from real life. Yeah. Um, one thing I forgot to mention is that in between these two trips, um, uh, they let us come in and do a, a Facebook Live broadcast from The Verge, which was kind of like um, like a twelve minute like mini version of the show, like the first three or four rooms. Um, but what was interesting is that when I went back for the second time, they wove that into the narrative. Yeah. Like I got a call from them two days before my official two trips saying like, thank you for being part of like the tension experience outreach program. <laughs> yeah. And like, they had like wrapped that in. So when I came in, all the characters were like, why are you coming back for like, essentially like the third time, right? Like, why are you here? I mean, like all those interactions kept, um, you know, kept building upon each other. So I did really feel like. Um, in this show, because I'd gone back numerous times, yeah. that I'd felt like I was actually building ongoing relationships with these characters, which is utterly unique for me. Yeah. Well, and like, there's, there's something analogous in um, in Sleep No More, in a sense, in that like people become fans of the show and they'll like track people's performances. But again, there's no agency there. I had, I had an experience at the Grand Paradise where I was pretty deeply moved by by my first time through, through part of the track. And then, the so I decided to go back a couple of nights later, which I hadn't decided to do, but not so that I could touch on that again, because I knew I was never gonna get that again. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see what I had missed. But then suddenly I wound up interacting with the actor whom, whose character, like, you know, because of the nature of the track, like I'd had a, a connection with. And I started getting very nervous that I had in real life screwed up and that I had been like tagged as a stalker or something like that. Mm -hmm. And indeed there was a sequence where she like took me back through like a, a part of it that I hadn't been through before. And it led up to a door marked exit. And in that moment, I thought I was about to be shoved out into the Bushwick night because it was like, Oh, here's the creeper who came to like watch it. No, the mind you, like the first, the first night, like people saw me talking to like the associate artistic director and like one of the re one of the rehearsing you know directors. So like people people were like knew who I was, you know. Like I can't hide at the shows anymore. It's like oh you're no one. I'm like oh god. It's like I understand why food critics wear masks and stupid <laughs> crap like that, right? But like, so I shouldn't have been worried that she was throwing me out, but I was because we just had a couple of these moments and it. It again, like it, it, it was coming back to that moment. It was, it was just, just for a minute. I had tuned into that level. But the, the thing about what they've done for you that, that I'm curious about is like how sustainable is that to create a, a essentially a bespoke experience, unless it's really about the framing of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like. All of this on a certain level is a magic trick. It's like a mentalist trick. You think that something's going on that isn't. Yeah. So, but if you're using real elements, see, that's the funny thing. It's like the realer the element is, the less it's about pro the, the audience projecting, the harder it is for the company to pull off. So the sweet spot is to create the illusion of connection. Right. 
Um, and so I'm I'm utterly fascinated. And I think I, I told Clint that I want to like have them like you know back on at some point and like kind of like post mortem it and like this sort of this sort of stuff is is definitely part of it. Um, then you brought your you brought your friends through. So you went back like a third time. Then? Well, no, I did the I did the first time, and then we did the Facebook Live, which is that little short mini thing, right. and then I went back for my proper round two. Um, and it's funny you mentioned that awkward moment. There was something in my round two early on in the where I was talking to a character, and they were like, "Tell me something you've never told anyone before." Uh, and in my exuberance to like be present in the moment, like I. I went forward and then carried that with me the entire show and was like, oh, oh my God, is that wrong? Is that too much? <laughs> um, but I think that speaks to, I think, what they do on this show, at least, my impression, at least. And this is just me making this up. Um, but talking to my friends that went through it. Um, basically, I went at 7 o'clock one night. They went at 9 o'clock that same night. Mm. Um, I think there are two things that they're doing on this show. I think they have, um, it seems to me at least, that they have a general framework that they can throw in like a certain buzzword thing. So you can basically project the feeling um, from yourself that it is extremely personalized. And I think yeah. they then they are doing actually really bespoke stuff for people within the community that have been following it along for eight months or whatever at this point. I think there is like little sidetracks for some of those people. Um, but my friends were funny because I talked to my friends. We used to go to like Halloween Horror Nights. We'd done haunts before. Right. <clears throat> we had not done anything like this. So like the day after I got back from my first trip attention, I was on Facebook. I, my story went up and I'm like, you know, hey guys, like, like this thing was like really, really weird and trippy. Does anybody else want to go? Because I think I'm going to go for a second time. Uh, and I thought maybe one or two friends would do it. And it turned out like three were like, sure. And they were the three friends that I thought would like maybe not like it the most. So it was like <laughs> that kind of awkward moment. Um, and um, what was weird is a uh, one of my buddies, my buddy Sam, went like hardcore and did like all this research ahead of time. Went like with his game face on, like really embraced the world. Nice. And got a lot out of it because of that. Um, it was basically like two friends and like um, my friend's um, girlfriend, Corinne, and she's really, really into Halloween. She was like excited about it as a haunt. And so I get out of my second time. My mind is blown. I'm like, I don't know what's real or what's not. And I'm hanging out in this little parking lot in Boyle Heights, like waiting for them to be done two hours later. Uh, my wife's like, are you coming home yet? I'm like, oh, I just need to decompress and wait for them because it's all weird. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and so basically they get out. And my buddy Sam is smiling. My buddy Andrew is smiling. And Corinne comes out and she's like, I hate you right now. <laughs> and she like, what happened for them? You know, Sam, you know, went in and he was like, okay, like I want to ascend. He, he goes, I want to, he's like, there's a solution to this problem. There's like an end game, right? He wanted to be the guy that got to the end and he ended up on the track I was on. So he ended up where he wanted to be. Right. Um, my friend Andrew had like one of the more traditional tracks. Um, and um, our friend Corinne, I think she just got, you know, I hope she doesn't mind me saying her name, by the way. Um, hi, Corinne. Um, uh, just like I think the the more intense haunt elements of it, like the sensory deprivation stuff, yeah. really, really got to her. Then um, we all had brunch about it the next day, and we were talking about it, during which I got a random no-caller ID phone call, which if you play tension... You get a lot of. You get a lot of, <laughs> and I missed it. And I'm like, oh, son of a... Yeah. Um, but what was really, really funny, so I decided to go a third time. And um, I mentioned, I think I mentioned it on Facebook or something. And then Corinne texted me and she's like, so they responded to my Facebook message. I guess she posted on their you know, page like, you know, oh, you know, thank you. If I had a great experience. Uh, and she decided to go again, mm. even though she had this like really, really negative experience about it, because there was something about it that was just like intriguing for her. That she was like, yeah. Um, and so it was interesting. I think uh, so both her and my friend Sam, I think Sam can't go again because of like timing, but they were both really fascinated um, Sam works in the film business about this 
idea of like being within your own narrative, having the agency to control your own narrative. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing that kept coming back to me as I've tried these various experiences is the notion of agency and actually be able to go and like impact it directly is what's so fascinating. It's what VR can't do yet really, right, really yeah. well. Um, um, but it's what the best shows, my personal favorite shows that I've seen do really, really well. When I saw Sleep No More, um, you know, that's a beautiful show and the performers are incredible and the choreography is great and I found it so frustrating because I could not do anything to directly yeah. impact the story, yeah. which is not on the show, it's on me, yeah. about my expectations. Um, but it's it's interesting about what elements of these shows like pop for different people because I think there's something really intoxicating about not being the star but being the protagonist, being the one that yeah. can impact the narrative you're definitely, for an audience member. You're definitely the chorus in Sleep No More and what's... What's interesting there is that it, it is it is a much more passive experience, and uh, the, the second time through for me I found it a lot more enjoyable than the first time because the first time I, I came out of it frustrated on a couple of different levels, uh, part part of which is like the sense of like I missed stuff, and I went back a second time one to like get a couple of scenes that I hadn't gotten that I knew that I didn't know existed because I went in cold mm -hmm. and people said oh what about this and I was like there's a what. Um, and they were like, how did you not know about that? It's like, because I just, I wanted the show to reveal itself right. to me. Because you right? didn't watch Gossip Girl? I didn't watch Gossip No, I hadn't watched Gossip Girl. There you go. Um, and so, um, for me, it became like, well, I mean, the book is right over there, the House of Leaves, right? It's on your shelf. And like, this sense that there's these layers of narrative going on, and I can follow a thread. So, mm -hmm. the next time I made a conscious choice to like, you get, you get three turns through the the circuit and I was like I'm gonna follow one character each time I'm gonna pick somebody and follow them and that's how I'm going to I'm not gonna but there are moments where you go oh, I should go chase after someone else I'm mm -hmm. like no I'm gonna stay even to the point where at one point I said I was like I'm staying in this room like I lost somebody I'm like I'm waiting for them to come back um and or like I, I know they must be going back to a certain space so I ran in front of somebody and that worked I was very proud of myself that was became the fun thing is like I started to see the logic of the way the piece was running because mm -hmm. of things I had seen. So I was like, all right, I'm following Lady M. I know she comes back here because I was following M earlier. So I will run in front of this crowd that is following her. And and all of a sudden it becomes very much, you become the master of the space. But it is definitely a show about the space. Right. Like so much of it is about the McKittrick itself. And... You know, tension is set up in such a way that it's kind of more like a dark ride in mm -hmm. that they have possession of you and you're in a you're in a cart and at most you can you can switch tracks yeah. and say like you can kick the sign right before something happens and now boom you're going down this other pathway um i'd love to see like the branch narrative tree like the map of like if this then that. Although at the same time, I kind of suspect that some of it's a little bit like I'll uh, go take them over here and do this. Right. Like there's a lot of stuff being done on the fly. Yeah. Well, but, I think it's supposed to be like totally... a 400 page script or something crazy. It's supposed yeah. to be like a yeah. Um, but also that it is a thing like where they've, uh, you know, I've heard that they had to. There were certain you know eventualities they didn't plan for. Like yeah. People like rebelling at the end happened apparently at one point. Like I've heard from a couple different people. So they had yeah. to go and like figure out like how to like rework the scene to give the actors something to do if like the audience did that. They did that literally in the group after mine. Oh really? Right. Okay. Yeah. And that like uh, Nathan for you, uh, Nathan Felder is Nathan for you and his crew and Julia Bennett Ryla and Megan Riley who's like a, one of the, one of the, the people who've been following it very closely for a long time. They were in that group. 
and they they revolted. Right. Um, well, that's because that was the one where Mike Fontaine was. No, there was okay. also the Mike Fontaine one, which okay. was one of the first ones, and like they and they also revolted uh, because of the ending. And and well, and that's that's the nature of this, right? Like you have to you have to beta test. Like the the one thing that's really different about immersive from anything like in film if in film if you do a test screening particularly if like you you are european and you do a test screening you have lost your integrity you are not the right. author of the film anymore it's studio trash right and and to this day like you know when we hear a film gets recut after a test screening we all a little part of us all dies inside right it's like oh and this thought of there's a pure version of this somewhere but the truth of film as i like to say is that the final I think I say this in yesterday's episode too, or to next week's episode. So sorry, guys. Is that the final assembly is not the final cut is not in the hands of the director. The final cut is in the ha- in the head of the person watching the film, and that is even more true mm-hmm. in immersive because the the only screen that's being projected on is your mind. Like everyone's got their own slice of view on this one, and the only way to figure out what's working or not is to iterate and test. And run it again, and run it again, and put different types of people. Because there's so many different types of people. There are the people who will start trying to break it from minute one and charge through. There are people who will listen to everything. There are people who just space out. There are the people who will just cross their arms like, no, they don't want to play. I thought it was so weird. Um, you know, it, it, you know, a delusion like they say, like don't heckle, and mm-hmm. it's like, why would you heckle? Um, and and there's 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 all these things that I've actually like learned this season about the way people approach the way audiences approach this material Mm -hmm. and in in the end of it it's it's really about creating space for the audience to be be heard and giving giving the the performers sort of the permission to to run with it you know but also giving them if there's if there is a story being conveyed giving them a strong foundation so when they run with it it's not going to break the entire thing yeah. Um, where do you, what do you want to see next out of the space? We've like we got about ten minutes left at most here before you've got to run off to whatever the next indoctrination is. Um, what? Um, yeah, I like that. Like you literally walk in the door. I'm like, oh hi. I have a heart out because like tension emailed me and I yeah, don't know what's happening. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm never surprised at this rate. Like you're not the first person to, to like uh, break a date with me because of tension. Um, I think maybe they hacked my email and like found Noah's doing something right. Let's take that person away from him. We have control over them. Um, Tommy's working out. They said he can. They they, they asked. I said that time will work. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what are you What are you looking forward to? What do you want to see? Right. This is something, and and you're you're in a really interesting position in that. I mean, The Verge is is a is a mainstream. Even though it's tech, it's like mm-hmm. it's a mainstream. Like Vox is like the. The, it's Vox Media. It's a very, very large site. Putting this stuff out into that world is definitely, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a bigger spotlight than. I mean, granted, like, look, Sleep No More is in the New York Times all the bloody time, but like, or it was back in the day. So, like, yeah, the New York Times talks about it, but not everyone looks at the art section of the New York Times. Like, people, people come from all walks of life into this realm. So, what, what do you want to see? What's going to get you excited about someone's piece? Uh, it's funny you talk about New York. The, the Things I want to see first, based as I want to go see the real shows, because I, I could not see, I could not see uh, Vinci Phil or Grand Paradise, uh, and I could not get tickets for um, uh, 
devoted either, which bummed me out, um, uh, before the run ends here. Um, to me, what's most fascinating about all this stuff is the um, it shows that I feel like we've all seen passive narratives, right? That's all fine. And I'm interested in basically, can I see a story where I can be emotionally connected and have a pure, true moment? You and I have talked about this before. Yeah. There can be room to have an authentic emotional connection um, that's not this that where you're actually active in it and this goes across like all immersive right this isn't just like immersive theater this is like what we talked about earlier mm -hmm. um, there's a VR piece I saw that John Favreau was working on they had a really really early demo called gnomes and goblins and it's like there's a little you're like in a fantasy world and there's like a gnome and like you know he's trying to get a thing and you get it and you give it to him and then he trades it for a bell there's a moment in that piece where you know you kneel down and I give him this piece of fruit and he locks eyes with me. And, mm. you know, however they're working that, I felt like we were looking face to face, eyes, and we had like an emotional, you know, connection. I felt like I was actually there with that guy and connected with him. That was a real moment, you yeah. know? And to me, it's like finding a place to have those things. It does not have to be horror. I think the interesting thing about LA is that, you know, the foundation of like the scare scene has like allowed all these interesting things to happen. Like you could have Creep LA and they can like bring in more story and more theatrical stuff to kind of like nudge it closer. Maybe they want to go more open world next year. But this can do so much more, right? I personally yeah. want to see other genres. I like to look at tension and how involved that was. And I, and I think back to when I was a little bit much younger. Um, playing like the Nine Inch Nails Year Zero ARG, and they're mm -hmm. like, "What if that had resulted in like in an actual like installation on site piece, right? Yeah. What is that? What is what does I mean, that look for, like? It did for a few people, right? They had that that concert. Dude, thing. I was I was there for the thing beforehand, and I didn't get there early enough to get the right armband thing on oh. to make it. I was like I was like five minutes short dude. of seeing the secret concert. Dude. Um. Yeah. Lame. Sad moment. Sad yeah. moment in my history. Um, but no, having a place where you can, you know, have those moments. And I think what for LA in particular, and it's the refrain, I mean, you talk about it all the time. I hear from all the creators, there needs to be one show that can pull off having a permanent installation. Yeah. So we can just get the momentum that's needed to train people up on this stuff. Cause I can't tell you how many people I've talked to about these things. I was just back in New York, um, uh, for the version I saw sleep no more. And, you know, my whole pitch on how i see this world is different after this last month like it truly is it's like it's gone from being you know vr is important because it changed the way we do movies towards immersive is the future of storytelling and it goes across all these different things and like that's what i'm going to be focusing on personally for the next you know few years because like it's the most exciting space you know creatively narratively across the board right yeah gaming all of it right um nothing can do the things that this medium can do uh, and so if I can do anything to direct more attention to that, that's good. And it was so cool to be back in New York and have people say like, so I'm coming to, you know, like LA in a week. Should like I do tension or should I go and like check out delusion or, you know, I mean, they're like they're reading and they're excited about it and they didn't realize they could do these things. Cause I yeah. think one thing that maybe is different is I feel like, you know, New York has a very specific vibe and there's something a little bit raucous and rock and roll about LA where oh, it totally is. and people are like, oh, oh, that seems like that's more fun. You know, you can, <laughs> you know, that can be bad. You know, I was yeah. at, when I was at Creep LA, there were uh, some dudes that were just completely hammered and kind of like, were like laugh goofing their way through like half the show, which kind of was a drag. Yeah. Um, but it also like lends it a different energy. And I think people, people just don't know these things are happening yet, you know, which is why I'm so glad I discovered your show, right? And like, I literally, like, I'm not joking, like, we've become friends, but like, thank you for your show. Because like, you showed me like all this like, amazing work I did not know existed in the world yet. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's every evolution of this, right? I mean, I, 
you know, everyone knows the origin story. Like I, I started it, I started the newsletter because I didn't want to miss a show, you know? And then I also thought like the more of an audience there is for this stuff, then the more shows there will be. And then if I want to screw around and make something, then, you know, they'll, they'll be, you know, people to see the show. And now if I screw around and make something, I kind of just want to do it for like, the other the other creators because like the, the thought of putting out to the actual public like almost completely terrifies me but like giving giving the creators a chance to like tear apart something but like and the more i learn about the way everything works actually really if the more relaxed i get about it like having having seen some of the stuff i've seen recently and know how quickly it can all come together right like it doesn't it, it can be a lot more about play and not necessarily be precious mm-hmm. and as much as like the you know i, I bring an analytical you know hand in here and try and like figure out okay how is this really working so much of it really does also seem to be you have this you have the thing i was at this week they were talking about you know what's the gift what are you giving to the audience what do you want them to come away with and i think when when tension's working really well like they want that uncertainty they want that like God, what the fuck is going on here right they want you walking away with that so for me like the very last moment of tension uh, on the run i went was was probably my favorite one which is when the actors came out it was right when they were testing it and they were like they were showing pictures of the of, of, a, of a person and you know asking like if we if we knew anything about them and that was enough to like start fucking with my head and i was like Oh, that's a good wait, wait, but like, but like at the same time, and and just sticking me just a little bit in that liminal space, um, or 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 if nothing else, you know, even when a show isn't necessarily like really really super working, there's some moment, there's some mm-hmm. moment of absolute like, wow, I did not expect to be doing this tonight, yeah, and and that will stick with you, right? And so long as you're like making room for that, then you've you've got something. So. There's there's a magic to this, but it is it is a simple and a in a in a deep magic, and that's about create space for people to connect, and maybe maybe know what it is you want them to walk away with, and you do those two things, and you're you're probably okay. There's a bunch of other stuff you you, you can do, but those are the two things to to run off with. Now that's that's really really well said. I think because like uh, I think back to all the shows that I I've seen from that people, I've... So. <laughs> No, it's it's only yours. It's only yours. Um, but no, like every show that I've seen that's really really stuck with me, I have walked away with either you know um, they either intentionally like leave it turning in your head like something like tension, or there is one specific aha moment of some sort mm-hmm. of like emotional transcendence. It can be a visual. It can be a moment with a character. It can be literally anything. Yeah. Um, you know, my favorite part of The Rope, um, which, you know, I enjoyed that show. And there's a lot of things they did that I was not expecting. But there's a moment at the end of The Rope um, yeah. where you, like, end up on the walk you up this thing. You end up on the roof. And suddenly you're, like, on the roof of, like, Think Tank LA. Um, and, like, this amazing, like, view of Los Angeles and, like, the winds through your hair. And, like, I just, my breath stopped. Like, yeah. that's, like, yeah. fantastic. That doesn't happen in any other medium. I When I was talking about moments, I was thinking about that one, too. Partly because you've got your bag from the rope, like, on the... I was Kaiser Sozying it, and I'm like, oh, the bag from the rope. Mm, that makes me think of this. Now I'm going to talk about moments. Yeah. But By no. the way, my study is really, really messy, so now I'm, like, <laughs> doubly embarrassed because he's actually you're actually paying attention. <laughs> Come on, immersive people, they walk into a room and they're reading everything. But that's the thing. Like, it's... And I guess, at the end of the day, like... Those are the people you're making this for, right? So if you're out there and you're a creator, you're you're making it for the nerds who they walk in a room and they want to think that everything's it's the room's alive. Right. Right? So keep that mind in mind too. You've got to go get kidnapped by everyone's favorite uh uh 
Institute. So we're going to let you run off and do that. But I'm sure we'll be doing this again. Maybe next time we'll be at the Think Tank. And um, Brian, thank you for uh, being on the show. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Once again, I want to thank our guest, Brian Bishop. You can find Brian on Twitter at BC Bishop, Bishop like the piece on the chessboard, BC like Brian, and I don't know what his what the C is for, probably in a middle name that I do not know, but BC Bishop. Um, he's a senior reporter at Verge. Uh, he was formerly with The Hollywood Reporter. And um, check him out at those places there. What else should you know about this? The music for the show is by our friend Chris Porter. Thank you, Chris. Uh, you can contact us if you don't know how. If if perchance you are discovering this, if you like, you're one of those folks who have just encountered us through the future of fear. You can find us at No Persinium on Twitter. You can also find us online at nopersinium.com. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nopersinium if you want to become a backer of the show. Uh, Speaking of which, and I will mention this in the top of the show next week as well because I messed up and didn't mention it in the beginning this time, I want to thank our latest Patreon backer, Alyssa Concha. Hope I got your last name right because we all know I can't pronounce names. Um, for joining our little quest here. And also uh, Nick Reinwald Jones, whose name I just totally butchered right there. Uh, and I really shouldn't have because Nick jumped in at a higher level, which you can always do. You can always adjust your Patreon pledge. Sometimes you got to adjust it down. And I understand. And sometimes you adjust it up. And that's rad. Um, okay, enough about the Patreon. More on that soon. I know I keep saying that really by the end of the year. I, I better. Um, what else is there to know? How else to find us? Medium.com slash no dash proscenium. This is the podcast. That's pretty much all the ways to find us. There is a great calm coming along, which we need because we got to chill down from spooky season. Um, the guys at My Haunt Life, they're do, they've got a page set up now about visiting Los Angeles uh, for like scary stuff. So things like the Museum of Death and everything. I can't remember the URL right now, but if you check out My Haunt Life, they will have that page up. Great work those guys do with the calendar and with the uh, local listings of permanent attractions. Um, and, um, oh, uh, someone told me that uh, Knott's is definitely bringing back Ghost Town next year. So uh, I will uh, get to see that. If you don't know what that's about, let's talk at a later date. Next week on the show, I can say this for absolute certain, next week on the show, we've got the gals from Shine On Collective talking about Devoted. Uh, Later on this month, we've also got a report from uh, Paradiso in New York City and trying to line up a few more things before I head up to the Bay Area for a little stint. Uh, This is going to be a great month, and I look forward to sharing it with you. And until next week, until then... I'll see you at the show.